could we do to empower um, this word of mouth, which is so human and which is universal? And if you detect the real stories, the impact also on social media is so much higher. It's just uh, incredible. The only thing that we see at this moment is that often um, sea level is not yet convinced or they don't know how to start with it. Welcome to the Revenue Discussion Podcast. This podcast aims to inspire and educate the newest generation of revenue leaders on various subjects related to sales, marketing, revenue operations, and customer success. Every week, we invite an inspirational guest who is willing to share his or her insights, strategies, and tactics that has worked or are still working for him or her. Today, we have invited Patrick Depau to the show. Patrick is founder and CEO of Social Cedar, a platform that helps you uh, build your employer branding that helps you go from employee engagement to employee advocacy. And in this episode, you guessed it, we talk about just that. Uh, discover how you can build an employee branding strategy, but also how you can actually incentivize, motivate your people uh, to actually proactively talk about the company, talk about what they go through, and actually motivate others to apply for your company to be interested in what you have to sell. So if you, get, if you can get interested into that, Please enjoy. Welcome, Patrick, to the show. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah? Not too early in the morning for a podcast like this? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like, let's like, go. Like, like we, we had our coffee, so it's okay. <laughs> exactly. So did I. So today I'm very excited to have you on the show uh, because, I mean, you have, I think, a very interesting vision on how sales and marketing will evolve uh, in the future or actually has already evolved today. Uh, and before we do that, um, I would like to, give, to, give, um, to get an introduction from you. So who is Patrick Depau? What is Social Cedar? Can you explain us a little bit more about that? All right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, my name is Patrick Depau. Uh, I come from uh, a completely different environment. I was always uh, active in the uh, airline and uh, travel industry uh, but this was also the reason why uh, I started eight and a half years ago with Social Cedar because basically what we already did uh, since 1996 um, was being very active on, uh, on on internet and then afterwards obviously social social media why because we were targeting um, a very broad audience but also quite a lot of young people uh, meaning that we were also spending quite a lot or even a lot of money to catch the attention. Uh, I want to fly to New York and you want to be the first one that appears in your Google search, etc., etc. So you paid uh, too much. <laughs> uh, we, I, I'm absolutely sure that we pay too much because there's this eternal competition where you everybody wants to over even even pay a bit more just to be on the, and, and and strangely enough people often choose the first line or the second line or third line we all know this mm. um the uh the, the the main reason why we started with social sea was that basically 90 percent of uh, people also in the travel industry uh they said that they were uh, choosing uh, their travel companion um thanks to uh, word of mouth of friends and family okay. so basically the assumption that I made was that the whole marketing spending went to the 10% of people that did not know us. I know mm. that it's a bit, I mean, uh, it's a bit uh, radical to say that, um, but 
what could we do to empower um, this word of mouth, which is so human and which is universal? So uh, the first steps in social media were more steps into the, I would say, the, the environment that we knew, meaning B2C. Uh, what if we start working with the ambassadors with the idea that everybody is an influencer? You don't need to be an influencer to be an influencer because everybody somewhere has a network, at least one. I mean, if you say friends uh, and family is the yeah. reason why people choose for an option and not the other, then yeah. friends and family are influencers. Absolutely. And uh, so... That was the start of Social Cedar, but gradually we saw that uh, companies were using uh, Social Cedar for their internal, for, uh, you know, bridging internal and external uh, communication, uh, meaning employer brands. It comes to the, the word of employer branding, okay. um, where before it was more um, marketing a product. Now it came to marketing uh, a business. What is my company? Uh, what is the culture of my company? Okay. And how do we, um, how can we go, um, how can we become different, stand out from the crowd mm -hmm. as a company? But how do you do this? Uh, you could say that basically it's also marketing, but if you are, um, if you look at what happened uh, when I was young and, and, and the years before, mostly the brand um, image was made in a cafe where people were talking and said like, oh, this is a really good company. You have to, you, you need to work at my company because they do right. well, et cetera, et cetera. So that's basically a very, very short uh, story. Obviously, there's a personal story of Patrick Paul, but nobody's interested about that. No? Well, now you make me, you make me have to, to, to ask that question. What, what is the personal story of Patrick Paul? No, it's just that I'm, uh, I was always uh, active in, um, in, in, in the marketing, uh, sales and marketing as a commercial director in quite a lot of uh, international companies, but they also called me all the time the anti-marketeer because um, I also saw that lots of marketing mechanisms, they did not work strategically, and that was my concern. Mm -hmm. There's lots of, of tactical marketing, at least I'm talking about my experience, and there's very few um, uh, really strategic uh, marketing uh, out there. It could probably changed in the meantime but then and so that's why i was always very um uh, doubtful of all these uh, marketing uh, things and then the second thing mm -hmm. which is typically patrick de pau is that i absolutely absolutely like authenticity um there are some things that i don't do because i think that i'm faking uh, if i would do this uh, mm -hmm. i always try to remain uh, myself also towards all our customers um be humble do right uh, but but the, the, the most important thing is just be who you are um, as a person, but also as a company. So that's mm -hmm. a bit where yeah, yeah. mix between. I get that because to to go back to the uh, the founding part, I mean the founding story of Social Cedar, you saw some developments uh, or some strategies, tactics in marketing that were not really effective as you know people would hope so, and so you then saw the. 10, 90% ratio of people actually more coming from word of mouth, family and friends. And is then the moment that you said, all right, maybe we have to develop a, a solution, a product, a service that will really put a lot of emphasis on that segment. And then was it because you also said uh, that initially people were doing it to market products, services that they actually offer. And now they're moving more towards employer branding. But is it then always from the company side of things or is it really from the people? Or how, how has this started and how is it, has it now evolved? 
to uh, at this moment no, what we saw happening was since the, 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 the times are changing dramatically we all know that um, and we all know that COVID made a change some changes mm-hmm. specifically the ICT change or technology change let's call it like this uh, much quicker they said like we evolved this seven years in two years often I get this uh, um, meaning that um, companies in a whole they face new challenges um, very quickly um, there's very few jobs that remain the same during the whole you know career which was the case when I was young um, there's uh, companies I think there's no company on earth that do not that does not need any technical or IT person in their company it's not because you're not an IT company that you don't need IT mm-hmm. um, so that's that's one thing. Everything goes very quickly. The second thing is obviously there's this war for talent, which is uh, we got. They will say we we will have a, a bit a colder winter because of uh, crisis, but it's going to be very temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this war for talent, and there's so many uh, organizations that are struggling even to continue their services because there's just no not enough people. And uh, the third aspect is that we also see that. Uh, Due to COVID and due to the environment that is changing, the engagement of people in companies is lower than before. One of the reasons, uh, obviously, is because there's quite a lot of people that work three to four days a week at home. So there's less talks around the coffee corner. There's less, we feel, I feel uh, my company, I know the culture of my company. So the company needs to do some extra effort to show that they that they care and then there's the i would say there's a fourth aspect which is for me the the, the uh, re, i would say the real interesting uh, uh thing that is happening is that we finally see that companies really start caring about corporate social responsibility diversity inclusion mm. um, before it was more buzzwords like okay we'll just put it in our you know yes we want to put some solar panels on our now right. we see that it's starting to become more as a strategic choice, um, uh, also because it has an impact on engagement and it also has an impact on people that uh, choose, specifically also younger people. They are much more concerned and they are much more thinking before they they will um, choose a company Join they work company. for. So yeah. the, the, all this makes that companies need to reinvent themselves almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what you see is happening um, as we speak, uh, and it it it's really uh, it it just as a, it, there was a turbo effect. Let's call it uh, like this. Once uh, COVID um, struck the entire planet, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it, the other thing is it's not only the bold and the beautiful because before employer branding, if you would at employee branding most of the times you got articles from netflix google etc all the big shiny big companies that could afford to do some employee branding now you see that small companies um, they all start thinking of what are my values because i really need to have my values clear otherwise people will not be engaged anymore and otherwise i will not be able to attract people so it could be determining for the future of my company so this is what we saw happening in in, uh, mm-hmm. in the last uh, years which is which is good which is absolutely uh, good um, uh, and and if we can and this is basically but now I'm talking a bit 
philosophical, but if we can prove, and we are almost there, if we can prove that if, if you invest in your company and try to do the best for your people and try to do the best for your planet, I say it's philosophical, mm -hmm. and you can also see immediately that it gives a return on investment, then there's no reason anymore why any company shouldn't start with doing this. And these are the things we also need from time to time to make really a dramatic change. Uh, as we all know, we need some dramatic changes on this planet if we want to survive another 100 mm -hmm. years. So yeah, you have the aspect that people are sometimes looking for short-term gratification. And because of that, you know, they don't see the urgency of putting a lot of energy, time and effort in all the things that you mentioned. Absolutely. Um, and uh, th th this is another thing that we see or at least that was one of my beliefs, um, is that if you have a good story, then people will talk about the story. You don't need to pay them to talk. You don't need uh, a paid influencer to talk about a good hotel. If mm -hmm. I'm going back to the, the original idea, if you really have an outstanding hotel and you have a good message around this, um, this what you're offering, then most probably it will create quite a lot of impact. What we did before was we paid an influencer to go to a hotel and then they, 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 they said it was a good hotel, which is the authenticity is completely gone. Right. Um, and, and, um, and more and more people start to notice this. And this is good. This is for me a good sign. You start noticing like, okay, but this is not. You feel when not, it's fake. This is not, it's fake. It's fake. Mm -hmm. so we don't want this fake. We really want to have this new, this, this we call authentic uh, uh, messages. And um, what we also measure in the platform is that basically everything which is authentic, right? because we really have a sixth sense to discover, oh, this is a real story. No, this is a, I would say, public reportage, like they say in, uh, in, in Flemish or in French. This is a, basically a fake story. Um, and if you detect the real stories, the impact also on social media is so much higher. It's just uh, incredible. Crazy. But I totally feel you. I love the, the, the thing that you said about it's having like a sixth sense because recently we, we organized an event with the community. It was an event where we had a partner, a sponsor that financed the whole thing. And so of course, you know, we, that, that partner, that sponsor got a lot of visibility during the event. It was kind of putting them also in the spotlight. And because it was totally, uh, I mean, financed by that partner, we could invite people entirely free. But then people asked me the question, yeah, but what's, what's the clue? What's the thing behind it? You know, and I was like, it's just free. You can just still enjoy the event. Well, what they were looking for was really understanding the reason behind it. And it's, I should have probably be authentic and real and just be fair, you know, just telling them, yeah, there will be a partner. It's a partner based, uh, paid event. So they will be there as well. Expect them. And I think, uh, I mean, that, I mean, what you said there makes me rethink of that situation where you have to be authentic. You have to be real. You have to be, don't try to hide things because people have that sixth sense. People are really asking me, tell me the, I feel I have my sixth sense. Tell me more. And I feel that sometimes uh, you can also feel that elsewhere. But this is what also happened before. Huh? Uh, there's, I think it's almost finished, but there, there's, uh, there was lots of companies where, for instance, internal and external communication were completely different departments. Mm. They were telling different stories. 
Um, they sometimes even had different logos because I still recall it in the beginning uh, of Social Cedar, and I'm talking about a really very known company. Wow. Um, and there was no, there was what. You, so what you said, uh, what you pretended to be as a company, and what you really showed uh, inside the company was completely different. Now, luckily, uh, thanks to, uh, I would say, the glass door, um, this becomes more and more uh, difficult. Uh, which is for me a very good uh, revolution. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's uh, and this is again uh, this is why uh, I'm absolutely convinced that um, uh, call it employee branding is uh, is um, it's a strategic choice. It's something that oh, it's from the bottom up, but it's also from up to the bottom. If, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, if management uh, doesn't care, well, then you really have a problem right now. I think, I think the first people that should care is management. Yeah, definitely. I think if companies would, because 99% of the people, you know, they, they, for example, they go and they do paid ads. And that's like the main thing that everybody does. And of course, you have success stories in that. And so everybody thinks I need to do this. But I think if they would put the same time, energy and resources into, for example, employee branding, employee advocacy and stuff like that, damn, they're probably the 1% that does something totally different. And that will probably res I mean, resonate much better because you don't have that saturated uh, market in there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like we just said, if you, that, that it's, it's the same, there's what we see, for instance, is I'm looking for a colleague, if you spread a message like this, the impact uh, of a message like this uh, is, what, there was a calculation done by a big company, something like 25%, 25 times, sorry, bigger, Damn. Than just creating an ad uh, like this telecom company is looking for uh, for people. So, so um, yeah. also even in the recruitment, you can you can spend your all your money in I don't know whatever newspapers where you say like uh, I'm looking for talent, and then just go to the you just go around the corner to a cafe and somebody says like I'm looking for a colleague. Well, just imagine what would be the most powerful uh, way to recruit uh, people. Mm -hmm. um, so this is and and. The nice thing I just mentioned it in the beginning is it's what we see since we're working with companies around the globe, uh, and this is so nice. This is absolutely universal. It's working in 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 Indonesia. It works in South Africa. It works in in America. It works in yeah, Africa even. So um, it works everywhere. I mean, we trust people that obviously we know, and that we I mean, we listen to people that we trust. I will say it like that, and so. It kind of, and I think, I mean, that works for recruitment. It also works for sales. It also um, works for sales. Yes. Absolutely. But I feel that that company and people in general would know that, you know, that uh, instantly they would also say, yeah, of course it makes sense. The word of mouth works, but then, and maybe an interesting question for you is then why are people not investing? What, what's holding them back to do and, and promote that employee engagement, employee advocacy? There's lots of reasons. Uh, the first most obvious reason is that some companies didn't didn't had a need uh, before. Uh, we have companies that never had until recently never had any problem in finding the right people. Um, they were completely B two B, so they didn't need to really get out there in in you know in the open field because it's a, it's a B two B company, so a bit below the radar. So they didn't feel the need, but then suddenly they do feel the need because again, they need uh, to have a, a different uh, type of uh, people that are applying for a job. Uh, the second thing is that 
I, I always say that we've been learning to market a product. We've never learned to market a brand. Mm-hmm. And we have to be honest, employer brand, now that we call it employer branding, the values is not new. And there's, there's always been companies and companies probably always had the values. But I still remember a company where I was working for where the values were on a poster in the toilets. And that's not how it works. It's not just creating 10 slogans and saying like, uh, customer, our customers become, uh, come first. It's, first yeah, of all, it's not a value because there's everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and there's no company that will say customers come last. Uh, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. The values are far, right. far more deeper in, in into uh, yeah, I wouldn't say deeper into detail, but into culture. Um, uh, so the need to show the example is becoming bigger uh, because people get more. And before again, when I was young, again. It's, it was before the internet age, you couldn't compare. Uh, if somebody said like, it's a very nice uh, business, who could I call to just ask whether it's true or not? Now everything is open. Um, meaning that whatever you say, whatever you pretend, people that are applying for a job or people that are thinking of buying a product, lots of people will go and see whether they find something on fraud or whatever, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. That could happen in a company that um, doesn't suit their needs, or they don't find uh, it nice. So um, the, the 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 only thing that we see at this moment is that often um, C level is not yet convinced, or they don't know how to start with it. And that's that's the, the, one of the main things. Is there's so many companies where we uh, that that. that that come to us and they say like, I'm really interested. I believe what you're doing because it's universal, but what story do I need to tell? What makes me different? Or I don't have so many things to tell, which is a bit strange because every company has so many things to tell. If you don't have any things to tell, then probably you don't have a company. Exactly. Um, but you did, they didn't learn to look at it. I mean, every day there's so much work happening on the work floor. These are stories. These are stories where people could potentially be interested in. If you make it authentic, people like these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's also trying to find um, the, 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 I'm talking about the content plan, but how am I going to um, uh, visualize um, my uh, culture? Do you, do you know some companies that are a great use case in terms of employer branding? Yes, uh, companies that are uh, doing extremely well, uh, yes. Um, to name them is, I could I could name a, a couple of them, but I think there's some companies where we know that they already work quite some time on employer branding. Like if you talk about Belgian companies, you have a company like Kolheid, uh, who is uh, doing a really good job. Um, there's uh, lots of... Um, if you go to the the other side, there's Gemeenschap, uh, these are all companies that are really doing um, a huge effort in um, who are we, why are you working with us, uh, what are your our values. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, companies like Vasilicom, a very big cleaning company, uh, these companies, they, they, they do 
extremely well. At least that's what we see. Um, yeah. They do extremely well because it's really a strategic thing again. It's not something like we're going to try it and then we will stop or, you know, it's yeah, just we're going like, to do one campaign and we're going to yeah, see. We, and we, no. no, no, it's like this is part of what we do. This is part of our communication plan. Uh, it uh, and we will uh, not discontinue uh, the efforts. Because can, can you try to make it uh, kind of very tangible? Like if you enter a company that has no employee branding in place at all, how would you start from a strategic point of view and then how would you cascade it down to a very operational uh, approach? Yeah, it's, employee brand is something that, that's the first step. No, the first step would be convince always, the first step is always convince C-level because they need to be involved, convince C-level that um, employer branding is, uh, and that they at least already know a bit what employer branding is, that's step for the first step. The second thing is, I think you need to, if you find this important, try to get at least somebody who has um, a, a part or a full responsibility on um, being mm, good on one. that subject, uh, because if you want to do it and you put it just uh, into a marketing or HR department, it could be it could be a good solution. But and who, what kind of person should it be that that takes ownership on that project? That's one of the biggest questions we get from companies because there's not uh, there's typically sales, marketing, uh, HR uh, departments, and there's not an employer brand department. It's like oh, <laughs> right. uh, so in most of the companies, the employer branding is um, a responsibility of HR. Or communication. So this, if if you have a communication department, if you don't mm -hmm. have a communication department, often it's HR. Um, they sh they are most of the times in charge. Why? Because one of the biggest returns on investment is uh, recruitment. So mm -hmm. they are absolutely concerned. And engagement, by the way, is also a very high topic for H HR, as far as I understand. What well, should be log logical. But then often uh, it's in combination with marketing because. Um, creating the stories is something right. that at this moment I think is not really part of education of HR yet. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm sure that this will come, but often they don't know how to make, a, a, let's say, just a video or something like this. So ideally there's some um, departments involved. Sales often is also involved because, like you just mentioned, it, it, it can and it does create a positive impact on your sales as well um, that's the, that these are the first two th steps you have to take yeah uh, and then what we have a kind of a methodology uh, that we try to implement uh, where basically it's all about um, what would be the minimum investment because again this is one of the questions lots of people say ask like okay I want to do this Patrick but do I need a full time do I need uh, a full team How, will take care of it okay so we know that it's not a full-time it should you can make it a full-time but if you're uh, starting you can you can um, you can do it with just naming somebody who gets next to his normal responsibility the responsibility of the employer brand an employer brand is uh, all about frequency but that doesn't mean that you need to create content every day neither um, it, it, the, the frequency is more important, uh, so keeping up the pace is much more important than I need to have content uh, every day. That's mm -hmm. you, don't, you absolutely don't need this. What we see is that with one story, we call it like this: could be a blog, could be a picture, could be a video. Uh, 
a week, um, you already go really far. Um, so next, so the, I would say next step is once that we determined who is going to manage it, the next step is um, do we have a culture? Can we create an EVP, uh, employee value proposal? Okay. Uh, so that people, yeah, it's called EVP. So that EVP means that can can we make it clear what the values are for the company, so that it's a it's it's the value that we give back to the employee. Uh, once you've determined this, um, then it's up to okay. We determined uh, we know that this is our culture, this is our values. There's some corporate social responsibility. We care about diversity. We care about inclusion. All these things. Okay, now we are going to make a storyboard. Um, and that storyboard is often, like I just said, um, in combination with people from marketing department. Okay. Uh, and again, don't overthink uh, everything. What we see is what we just mentioned. It's, a, and this is where often it goes wrong. So it's about authenticity. What also means that you, from time to time, need to be able or you need to uh, trust people. You, you need to have your trust in people and trust in what people will say about your company. Um, if you want to manage every single thing people say about your company, then it will not work. Um, mm -hmm. you, you, the, the, the trust in your, again, like I said, the trust is, is, is the first. Secondly, don't over market it. Don't put your logo on everything. Uh, because people don't want to see banners on social media, that doesn't attract anybody. Um, these are not publicity channels. No. Don't think you need a professional video to create impact. You don't need a professional video to create impact. Yes, you need a video with a good sound, okay, but you can make our videos are just with the phone. I, fine. I would even think that if you if authenticity is really the the, the main key thing. Filming with a phone would be even better than having a professional camera with professional editing, logo transition, everything. No, well, that's what we see eh? because we see the we measure the impacts of, of the different uh, we call them campaigns, yeah. uh, and we see that um, the difference between a, a, I would say a video that you would create for publicity reasons uh, and a video that was just on the work floor where you just ask four questions like, "Hey, uh, Dylan, why do you like to work here? What is your current profession? What is your what's your hobby hobby whatever that there are sometimes uh, i would say three to four times more people looking at uh, the authentic uh, video than uh, people that are looking at somewhat you know I, would, I not always want to say that it's fake but too polished uh, yeah uh, videos it's not like you don't need um, social media is presenting and we don't need this this and, and we all know that a video of 30 seconds 35 seconds is enough you don't need to have these very long videos on social media mm -hmm. um, it doesn't work people don't uh, take the what's time to... um, what's the balance that you see I mean and maybe that's different for company to company but what's the balance of what the uh, let's say the, the person that has ownership of the projects kind of, you know, manage in terms of that is what we're going to publish out and what people then put on to that to make it really authentic, to make it really coming from themselves. And what is the question? What would be the... The great balance between what comes from yeah. the organization, what comes from the people themselves. Okay, so what we see today is that um, 
in in most of the in most of the companies it still is a bit steered so uh, often it is employer branding or hr that creates um content but then they start creating more and more authentic content like we were just saying so mm -hmm. same goes with the pictures you don't need the picture where there's the blue sky and you know you know people also like to see a picture where you just show what you're doing in your factory or what you're doing at your desk people like to see this so don't overthink it but most of the companies is still a bit centralized i think it's 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 going to change uh, it's going to change uh, but what uh, our company uh, or what the platform allows um, people to do is you add your personal comments you add your you know you make it personal so you have the core of what you're distributing is somewhat centralized because you have a story to tell and there needs to be some some guidance otherwise everybody is talking differently mm -hmm. and that doesn't create an employer brand either but then the layer on top of it should be or is uh, is completely uh, personalized yes all right because can you try to put an image on how the platform would work would then be a centralized you know yeah so, from an admin point of view where you know you have content that is being produced and then the employee can plug them into their own socials and publish it from there and adding their own comments yeah, and stuff like a, that Basically, it's a, it's a platform that allows an admin, uh, call it that way, to um, uh, create content which is publicly available because you're going to uh, so don't put anything from internet in there because that doesn't uh, have any sense. And then you invite uh, your ambassadors, but that's why segmentation is very important. Invite us the, the 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 ambassadors that potentially are interested in the message. Uh, um, if you if you for instance if there's a post like i'm looking for ict colleagues don't send them to your uh, accounting department you right. can try to do this but it's going to create not the, the impact is going to be very low so you can mm -hmm. target this message is for that segment this message is for everybody because you can have a very nice picture a uh, picture or a very nice movie that you want to send to everybody so but it gives you the possibility to um, segment and target the audience that receives the message. So they receive the message, uh, then, and then there's two layers. I receive a message. First of all, you became an ambassador, basically, and you also know why, very important. I just forgot this, but uh, what is the difference between, yes, but Patrick, people are already spontaneously sharing content in, in my company, and I hope they do. Uh, yes, probably, but it's going to be very few people doing this because there's no there's no model there's no there's there's no strategy behind it if you put it in a strategy and in a, into a model where you invite people to become an ambassador and you explain them why it's so important to become an ambassador and then they create uh, they get messages that are really interesting for them next step is that they can share it on all their social media channels um, uh, they can read it and share it so there's always two steps they can discover it which is already the first step of being an ambassador i'm already mm -hmm. interested in the content and if i'm if i think or i feel that the content is so interesting i can also share it on my different social media channels and i don't have to bother about is the content right uh, because everything is being checked but i can make it my own post with my own uh, comments and then obviously um, the platform in for the administrator they will see um, what the results are and sometimes okay. they are big and sometimes the results are low yeah gotcha so it's not the goal is not that all employees become ambassadors then. In the ideal case, everybody is somewhere an ambassador, but 
don't expect everybody to share your messages. We're not living in the ideal world, and it's just uh, logical. Uh, yeah. Also, and even if you have an incentive gamification program, nobody is going to do this. They will probably do it from time to time, but that even that is not going to help. What is helping is what we've seen that really helps uh, getting as much people on board is things like create a common goal. If we are all in this all together, um, we will. Um, I don't know. We will invest in uh, in, a, in the in the rainforest, and 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 we will, as a company, also contribute. Or uh, all together um, in the program, we will also give the possibility to ambassadors to get LinkedIn training or whatever. But see that we're like again in a cafe where basically everybody is equal. That mm -hmm. really should be the case. Um, that's the initial uh, essential essential part of a program. If you create an ambassador program try to get it in such a way that even the people and this is where my story started uh, in the beginning we believe again that everybody is somewhere an influencer whether that person has a huge um, network or whether that person has a small network okay, obviously it's important but do not discriminate these people everybody right. who does this small effort is an ambassador so as a question as an answer to your question yes Basically, everybody could become your ambassador. The, 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 the reality is that normally in a company with, for instance, 1,000 co-workers, you should be able to expect about 250 active contributors, ambassadors, like we, call, we call them. Okay. Um, so 25%. Uh, and the smaller your company is, the higher that percentage can be. Mm -hmm. I, can, I, can, I can see that. Now, do you see that sometimes that employees have some type, I mean, definitely you will have people that have some resistance to become an ambassador because not everyone is an ambassador. But do you then also have people that say, you know what, maybe I will make a professional account and a private account and have those two separated to not mix both together? Do you have that sometimes or do you recommend it perhaps? Uh, but it's already happening automatically because still most of the people are using LinkedIn as a professional network and Facebook as a less professional network and TikTok as a, prof as a, as a not professional network or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's already people know exactly what they do on their social media more and more. Uh, it's, it's even even people from, from a certain age, they're, they're not going to put something on social media when they don't like it. And uh, obviously there's some cultural changes. What we see uh, is that, for instance, the more you go to the north, the more uh, the different channels are used for both uh, reasons. They mingle private and professional on LinkedIn, for instance. Mm -hmm. They mingle private and professional on Facebook, where uh, if you go to France, for instance, often Facebook is still very uh, la famille, so fi uh, family and friends, uh, and they don't want uh, their um, professional uh, content on there. So. I would say leave it up to the people. They they have their their own choice. We don't see really people having uh, two two accounts on one social media channel. That's not something that we see a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Now you said something earlier that uh, kind of triggered my interest. You said that incentives and gamification will not per se help the increase of employee advocacy and. I think that's uh, that was going to be actually one of my questions, and now I'm kind of curious why. Why don't you think so? I mean, you said oh, the bigger goal is important, but wouldn't it help as well? Yeah, but I'm, I'm not, we are not saying that gamification is uh, no go. Uh, we also have dashboards with uh, leaderboards, we call them, 
the only um, the only thing we say is out of ex experience with the eight and a half years experience that we have is that if you only have gamification as a trigger there's two things happening first of all you fool yourself because people will start sharing content even if they don't like it because they want to get these points or whatever they can they can win yeah. and that doesn't yeah, there's no focus. yeah there's no focus and there's no learning curve that's, that's even the, the most because from time to time companies which is logical companies will create content that do not create impact it's logical you, you can't always create the best in most interesting Mm -hmm. It's it's not a problem as long as you know it as long as you see in the in the platform social cedar okay did, this didn't work okay I need to change it I need to change my tone of voice or whatever so that's the first thing we try to be a mirror of your communication so don't sponsor um, the people to create a nice mirror it's just a very thin layer because at the end it's the public that will judge and it's not uh, you. In your reporting to your CEO, mm -hmm. uh, that can show nice figures, but the public doesn't care. So there's no result. Uh, second thing is that we also see that um, uh, gamification uh, triggers the one, two, three, four first people, mm. and does not tring, trigger the long tail uh, of people. Uh, on the contrary, they they are at the at the, at the end, and they That's at the certain moments they will be discouraged and discontinue and uh, the result is that you are back to basics meaning that there's a few people share content and most of the people they don't share content so this is also something that we saw what we do think is that gamification as a as a i would say intermediate way of um, getting everybody excited again or right. the gamification that most of the companies of have specific campaigns perhaps could be for specific campaigns the most reasonable gamification that exists in most of the companies is that you get a bonus when thanks to me somebody is joining the company right. uh, after six months you get a bonus. this is also gamification um, this is a very uh, healthy uh, gamification because you really save money by doing this and you uh, you empower your co-workers um, but, but okay, this is the experience that we have. There's companies that are using gamification and we don't, obviously we don't have anything against this, um, but it does uh, create less learning curves and uh, you could get some people really yeah. at a certain moment that are discouraged and discontinue everything. No, I can see that. Now you, I imagine with uh, all the different users that you have ha on your platform, you probably have gathered a lot of data already, uh, maybe done some kind of analysis with it. You, you mentioned some things like that earlier. Now I know that we have uh, quite a lot of social sellers also listening to the podcast. So when it comes, for example, to LinkedIn, have you maybe seen or discovered some very interesting insights that could be very tactical and that can actually help with, you know, having more resonation with you know with your audience uh, anything what we measure obviously is uh, what creates the impact uh, I'm a company I'm going to create an employee advocacy program and what do I need to do to create an impact uh, and there we have lots of learnings uh, and the learnings they are a combination of a bit everything first of all uh, let's talk about the timing what day what hour 
this is quite common, but we also measure it. There's you can you can look up for LinkedIn also what is the best uh, timing to um, uh, create a LinkedIn post. Well, that's the same. The same goes for employer branding. Try to send out, for instance, campaigns on Tuesday and on Thursday because we know that they create much more impact. Try to send them at 10 o'clock in the morning. Don't send them at 12 o'clock because then there's going to be a difference. Um, Take this uh, into consideration also because most of the companies or a lot of companies, they have a combination of blue colors and white colors, meaning that the timing of when you send out campaigns uh, needs to be different depending on people that are in front of their computer or people using Facebook or people using LinkedIn. So this is also a different uh, mm -hmm. learning curve. How much content do you need to send? Well, like I just said, you don't need to send everyday content. It's even... Um, uh, the algorithms, uh, they don't like that too much. Mm -hmm. You cannot bombard uh, your social media uh, by content. So we see uh, the one uh, campaign uh, per week. Now I'm talking about employer branding or social selling. Um, social selling is a bit different in the sense that a salesperson obviously can handle a higher frequency than a non-salesperson. That's something that we saw. Okay. But the social selling perspective of employer branding is even a bit wider eh? because social seizure is used by really big, big worldwide companies in a social selling perspective where they create a difference, a segment, a segment of commercial people, but they also create a segment of non-commercial people. The non-commercial people, the frequency will be much lower, but they can also contribute to the sales. That's why we always say everybody is a salesperson and everybody I is a I was marketeer. thinking of it and I was going to say it to you. <laughs> yeah. So it's obviously you have your sales force and they have this segment where you can you can you can really go a bit and more volume. commercial yeah. and you can you can you can you can I think higher a bit the frequency but consider the non-sales people as well. If your content is right they will they will also share and they will uh, contribute to uh, next is how much video, for instance, do you need in your content? Uh, do you need to have video all the time? No. Um, we see that ideally, um, if you really build strong uh, thought leadership, um, 10 videos, very short videos a year are absolutely great. That's why we have companies that decide to just have one day of video shooting. And in one day, they shoot 10 videos and they have basically the video material for a full year where they they, right. they, they um, promote their thought leadership and thought leadership obviously uh, goes into uh, social selling. Uh, yeah. uh, and then we have insights on um, what uh, is the tone of voice? Uh, what is the picture that you need? Um, I can go into really big details. We even have information about what are the colors that create more uh, impact so don't I like right. black and I, I really love black and white but don't use black and white because it creates less uh, impact okay. um, uh, the other thing we see is that the impact of um, uh, video we always talk about native video what we see that the impact of native video is not as high as we think uh, so there's also people that don't want to see this video turning uh, in, in uh, on LinkedIn all the time so um, it's it, again, it's a combination of frequency. How much uh, um, video do you need? How long does this video need to be? Uh, and what kind of visuals and tone of voice do you need? And then again, the last thing, which is the most important one, Dylan, is inform 
your sales or non-sales people about the results. If they see the results, if they if you if you send them afterwards a small message like Thank, thanks to you, there's five thousand people that looked at at the video. Be sure that next time they will pro most probably also uh, share. Yeah, love it. Yeah, because maybe to um, to go what somewhat deeper in that, what kind of metrics can you actually share? What kind of feedback loop can you give the uh, the employees regarding regarding um, their, their actions? We have feedback loops on uh, different levels. The, the, the different levels are obviously how many people contributed. That's the first one. Uh, feedback loop on. We even have a feedback loop on social media savviness um, because we we know what the average is and we can see it uh, per company. And you could even say like, "Oh, hey, dear um, uh, dear salespeople, it looks like." We need some more knowledge in here. Uh, would it be interesting to create a LinkedIn uh, course? Because we see that there's, you know, the results on LinkedIn are lower than other companies. Well, most of the then benchmarks, but yeah. So yeah. You, you have the insights on social media savviness. And then obviously the insights on, and then there's three uh, levels. The first one is how many people came to my website thanks to the effort of myself or and the team. So these insights you can have. You can can you point it to a specific person? Yes. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then, the, the, I would say it's it's more um, uh, generic uh, metrics, but you can talk about what are the number of views um, that you created. Views is still something different. That's the, the number of times your message has been circulating on social media thanks to your effort. It's more a vanity matrix because specifically in social selling. Um, I think what social selling absolutely wants is to attract as many people to your website so that there's uh, something happening like a request or uh, signing into the newspaper or attending an event or whatever. And right. then the last one, because we also have a conversion tracker, if you implemented the conversion tracker, you could even start um, looking at conversions. So then you really talk business. You say like, oh, Dylan, thanks to you sharing uh, the message, there's uh, five people attending uh, the show. Great. So you can really go very deep. Um, just one side remark on this. This depends also a bit on uh, the interpretation of GDPR, because we are obviously GDPR compliant. We do not measure anything personal from mm -hmm. any uh, ambassador. But there are some companies where um, the GDPR rules are uh, are more strict uh, because right. they, they call it GDPR global, but it's not so global as we think. <laughs> uh, some companies are much more strict than other ones. So. Oh yeah, okay. But you still you still can see probably how many views, how many clicks yes. you get from a yes. post from a specific yes. from a specific post. Uh, yes, link to Absolutely. a person, link to very very cool. Do you then? And that's maybe one of the last questions. But do you then also see? And maybe that's a last selling point of really doing the the uh, the employee branding, social selling, employee advocacy. But can you see, um, or can you give like a statistic, a percentage of increase of, for example, website visitors or uh, people applying for a job compared to before when there was none of all of that, compared uh, to then when they know, actually had the strategy in place? We we can we can do that, but per company because talking about generic, this is a really very, very difficult one because right. it may, it, like we already mentioned, it depends on your culture, how uh, how good is your internal culture, it depends on your engagement, the number of ambassadors, and then obviously about your message. Is your message uh, good enough so that people 
um, uh, buy into uh, what you're saying, but we do see that uh, it is absolutely possible just to name one example, it is, or a couple of examples, it's absolutely possible um, to um, uh, have campaigns where in one campaign, um, every ambassador um, creates uh, one new person working for a company. So uh, thanks to Dylan that uh, shared the message, there's one person that, no, uh, I'm talking about applying, applying, applying yeah. uh, because the selection procedure is not, we cannot measure that. And no, it's definitely. Uh, up to us to, to but so you can really go to, okay, we have 50 ambassadors, we have a good campaign. I'm sure that there will be 50 people applying uh, for the job. Um, wow. We have uh, 50 ambassadors, uh, the message uh, we, we talk about, I don't know, an event is going to be about the same. Um, so we can, I would say per industry and per size of company, we can go quite deep into detail. We determine, by the way, we determine KPIs. So Social Cedar is always, what's your goal for this year? And depending on your goal, what will be the KPIs? And KPIs is something that we can measure. So it's always based on measurement. So it could very well be saying like, what is your goal? I want to create more visitors on my website, which is a goal. If we know how many co-workers you have, we can estimate how many people will become, I was talking about this 25%, how many people will uh, apply to become an ambassador. And then we can do a calculation saying, okay, this will get you this result, so many more visits on your website. And in 95% of the cases, we um, have that, uh, we, we the KPIs are met uh, for that company. So Love it, love it. If you got triggered by what Patrick said, um, you will have to reach him. So Patrick, first of all, thank you so much for being on the show. And if people got triggered by what you said and they want to find out more about you, about Social Cedar, where would you like to send them to? Uh, if they're interested, uh, they can go to our website, but they can also uh, patrick at socialcedar.com uh, because I have uh, obviously uh, colleagues that are kind of lots of colleagues that are working with me, but just patrick at socialcedar.com. Um, they can they can just reach out to me. That's, uh, I'm still <laughs> also the, 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 the founder, so uh, yeah, it's yeah. not that I'm behind the wall. I'm very visible. So. No, no, no. It, that, that's a good thing. It was, by the way, a very authentic uh, um, um, podcast because uh, there was a cleaning lady that uh, came by <laughs> of times. <laughs> I saw her, but yeah, man, that's uh, that's definitely okay. That's part of the podcast. Voilà. <clears throat> now I have I have one last question for you, and I pro I have a pretty good idea of what the answer is going to be. But if Patrick would be a brand, what would it stand for? Uh, I think the most important thing, I already said that so many times, but is, I think it's, uh, it's uh, authenticity. I, 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 can only, I can only say uh, this, uh, just be yourself as a brand as well. Just be yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't uh, polish yourself too much. Uh, more and more people don't like the polished uh, way. Uh, same goes for, for, for sales. Just be yourself. Yeah. No, definitely. I'll take that as an answer. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank and you, wish much. you Thank you, you very much, Dylan. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye.